May God bless you. May God keep you. We are going to continue in Revelation. In Revelation, I have some things that I want to share with you on tonight. We are trying to finish up uh, the book of Revelation. Every time I uh, think I'm done, God gives me something else to share, and I'm trying to be obedient to the Word of God. Uh, I really want to move on, but there's something important that God wants us to know so we're going to uh, continue in Revelation, and we're dealing with this image, the image and the mark of a beast. Amen. This mark identifies the beast, and it's also uh, equivalent, or it can be tied to a man. Amen. And certainly that's our search, uh, in search of, and certainly... Uh, I want to encourage each and every one of you, let us uh, be good students of God's word. This is what's going to uh, carry us through. Amen. Uh, when everything else fails, nothing else will be standing but the word of God. Amen. And certainly um, we know everything is coming to an end. Amen. And if you have the word in you, guess what? You can stand with the word. All right. Uh, in this um, particular section, you all remember we were in, um, came to the end of Revelation chapter 16, and Great Babylon came up as a remembrance when God was pouring out his wrath. Uh, the men uh, were gnawing at their tongues for pain. They were chewing their tongues right out of their mouths. Amen. And they were blaspheming God. Amen. And great Babylon came up as a remembrance as God was pouring out this plague. So we took us back. We went back to um, Genesis uh, to get the beginning of the false doctrine, uh, the doctrine of fornication. We talked about the true church. And now we're in Revelation 13 and talking about the false prophet or the false church. Amen. And certainly we also are intending in to, and we have, but we will um, uh, touch on it a little bit more on tonight. Uh, the question was, what does it mean to bear the image of God? That question was asked some time ago, and I knew it was going to be more than just a, a quick question. It's really a Bible class all by itself. Now, if you have missed some of this, uh, go back or go back to the previous Bible class. Amen. All of it is recorded. You can catch up and um, you will get the full meaning of what does it mean to be in the image of God. All right. We're going to pick it up in Revelation, the 13th chapter in the 15th verse. Hopefully everybody have your Bibles. Let's read the scriptures all together. You can say that I read it for myself. Amen. I read it for myself. Revelation 15, uh, 13 and 15, we see Satan is copying. Uh, since he cannot take over God's plan, uh, he's copying God's perfect plan. Amen. Uh, you know, he thought that he was going to ascend into the seat of God. And Jesus said, I saw him fall as lightning. Amen. He was kicked out of heaven and a third of the heavenly host with him. Amen. Uh, they landed at Mount Hermon, and that's where Jesus stood and said, the, the gates of hell are not going to prevail against my church. 
My God, Satan, you'll never get your hand on my bride. My glory, I will not share with another. Amen. But ever since that time, ever since that time, uh, he's, there's been a fight for the bride of Christ. And we are the bride of Christ. He's fighting for us right now. Amen. But we thank God the blood of Jesus Christ covers us, keeps us. Amen. Keeps us on the fold. He said, I have you in the palm of my hand and no man can pluck you out. So since Satan cannot take over God's perfect plan, he's trying to copy it as best he can and come up with the perfect plan of his own. So what is he doing now? He's setting up his image, and that's what we're dealing with in verse 15 here. All right, we know God has an image because he said, let us make man, come on somebody, in his image and in his likeness. We are the image bearers of God. And guess what? Everywhere God has placed his seed, Satan is trying to replace it with, yes, his own seed. Amen. And this is the fight that's going on right now. All right. He says, and he had a power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. And certainly that word life can be interpreted breath. It can also be interpreted spirit. Amen. So he is going to give life to the image that it might be able to speak. So what is he trying to do? He's trying to put his image in us. He wants us to bear his image. And certainly we know Satan does enter into people, amen, that you might bear his image. All right. And we asked, answered that question in Genesis, the first chapter, 26 and 27, uh, we are the image bearers of Christ. The question was, does God have an image? Well, yes, he does. We are the image bearers of Christ. What did he say? It says, and God said, let us make man in our image. After our likeness, come on somebody, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every living thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. Now, I want you to notice two things. Number one, he said, let's create man in our image and our likeness. First of all, who is he talking to? Amen. Who is he talking to? And the fact that when he made man, he made him in his image, but he said nothing about the likeness. So when he created man in his image, man was yet undone because he must be in his likeness to bear the image of God. Amen. The full image of God. Amen. And certainly we found that in Ephesians um, the first chapter four and six, you can look that up. And if you want to get the full understanding, you can go back and get the previous Bible class. He chose us in him. That's the church. When he said, let us, all right, 
He was talking, and I often heard, hear my father saying he was talking to the feminine side of himself. Amen. So he's talking to the church. And who are we? The church is the bride. We are the bride of Christ. Amen. So it is after God has made man in his image and man uh, comes into the body of Christ. Amen. Into the church. Amen. And go on to perfection. My God, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. Amen. We have to go on to perfection, which is Hebrews, uh, the uh, fifth chapter, well, the sixth chapter in one. All right. It's when we do that, amen, that we go on to perfection. We become the likeness and made in the likeness of God. He talks about the Holy Ghost. Amen. Who the Father is going to send it in my name and is going to bring all things to your remembrance. That Latin uh, prefix on remembrance, re, means to bring back. So the Holy Ghost must be fed. So when you need it, the Holy Ghost is going to bring back to you those things that you have been taught. Where? In the church. So that complete man, it makes God, it takes God creating man in this image and man coming into church. Amen. Going on to perfection. Amen. That we be, may become in the likeness, that full stature of man, we become in the likeness of God. Amen. So what did he do to get his image in us? We talked about the time in um, uh, Acts, the second chapter, uh, when it says when the day of Pentecost would fully had come. Amen. And certainly that wind that can be interpreted uh, breath life. Come on, somebody. What did he do? Amen. They were all in one place and all on one accord. And what happened that when it filled the house and then it filled them and they all began to speak. The scripture also says uh, God formed man out of the dust of the earth. He breathed into his nostril the breath of life and man became a living what? Soul. Amen. We also picked it up in John 20, 21 and 22. Uh, then said Jesus unto them again, peace be unto you, as my father hath sent me, even so send I you. And when he had uh, said this, he breathed on them. Amen. He breathed on them. And what did he say? Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Amen. So he has breathed on each and every one of us. Amen. So he placed his spirit on the inside. He has his image and his likeness on the inside of each and every one of us. Now, I know some people say, well, you know, I looked at my hands and my hands look new. Uh, I didn't have that experience, but I can certainly testify and say the things that my hands used to do, they don't do no more because now I bear the image of God. Amen. All right, uh, Genesis, the third chapter and 15, this is a seed war, a seed war that's been going on from the beginning of time, amen. We're in Revelation and God is bringing to uh, an end some of the things that have happened way back in Genesis. We talked about how Satan wants to ascend into the seat of God. So he's dealing with the rebelliousness of Satan. He's dealing with the rebelliousness of men. Nimrod, the one who had, they were all speaking one language and in one place, and they wanted to build a tower 
for themselves that would reach heaven. Come on, somebody. My God, rebellion of men, amen, the false doctrine, amen, and certainly that went all the way back to Genesis, uh, the false uh, church, great Babylon, all the way back to Genesis, a lot of those things, well, all of those things that happened back then, he's bringing it to an end, a conclusion in the book of Revelation. This is not um, a sin thing. He went to the cross and shed his blood and, and, and redeemed us. He did that on his own. Amen. But this that happened way back in the book of Genesis, he's now bringing it to a conclusion. In Revelation, he's dealing with it all. Remember in Revelation 16, great Babylon came up for remembrance before him. And it's like, I forgot. There's no loose end that God is going to leave untied. He's going to bring it all together. All right. So if we look in Genesis, uh, we'll see from the very beginning, uh, there was a seed war going on. Genesis, the third chapter in the 15th uh, verse he says, you all remember when uh, Eve had eaten of uh, the tree of, of um, uh, the knowledge of good and evil. Amen. So God had to punish them. And look what he says here. He says, and I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. And it shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. So way back in Genesis, all right, we have a seed of God and we have a seed of Satan. And this war started way back then, all right? And the seed of God would revert through the, um, through the woman, all right? And certainly uh, the Bible says, and it will bruise Satan's head, but the seed of Satan would bruise our heel, Amen. And certainly this started way back then. This is a seed war that's going on, going on. This is some additional things that God has given me concerning this seed, bearing the image. All right. In Genesis 1 and 29, everything that's living has a seed. And this is what we must understand. Everything that's alive has and bears a seed. Men have seed, women have seed, fruit have seed, trees have seed, grass have seed. Amen. All right. What did he say? And God said, behold, I have given uh, you every herb bearing seed, which is upon the face of the earth and every tree in the which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed uh, to you. It shall be for meat. It was good to eat. He had uh, given it to them, amen, but there was one tree that he uh, forbade them to eat from. He forbidden them to eat from, amen, and certainly, but he said it was good to eat. So uh, what did Adam and Eve do? They ate the wrong seed, all right? So Satan was able to put the wrong information into them from the very beginning. My God, if we think about it, um, as I said, everything has seed. Amen. Uh, what was wrong with it? Satan had put his lies in there. When God came back to the garden, they hid themselves. And God said, Adam, where art thou? He hid himself. They said, we were naked. He said, who told you 
My God. So Satan's lies were in the seed. And when they consumed them, uh, they began to bear the image of Satan and not the image of God. Amen. So um, when the seed is planted, it bears the information. Amen. The image, it contains all the information in the seed. And when it's planted and it comes to fruition, it grows. It bears all the information that was in the seed. That's why when you plant an apple seed, you get an apple tree. When you plant a pear tree, you don't get a coconut tree. Amen. Because the seed, when it's put in the ground, it has all the information necessary. Come on, somebody. My God, to bring to fruition the information that's contained in the seed. So Satan's plan is to plant his seed, put his image everywhere God has placed his. And that's what we're talking about here. Um, and it was given power unto the beast uh, to bring life to the image uh, of the, the beast. Amen. That it may speak. He's creating his image and he want to plant it everywhere God's image resides. Amen. Look at this in Genesis, the third chapter, 17 and 18, as a result of Adam and Eve's disobedience or Adam's um, disobedience, God actually cursed the ground. All right. Genesis 3, 17 and 18. And unto Adam, he said, because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and has eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. My God. So now, since God cursed the ground, it's bringing forth corrupt seed. My God, uh, everything, everything that we eat, everything that we consume uh, has seed. And, and this is why I don't have a problem when I get ready to eat, uh, giving God thanks for anything that's put before me. Amen. Give thanks, Lord. Uh, <laughs> purify it. Make it fit for our bodies. Amen. And Jesus talked a lot about the parable of the seeds. It's another one of the parables he talked about a lot. Uh, the parable of the sower. Uh, one seed was taken. One seed was uh, trampled. The other seed was choked out. Amen. He talked about the parable um, when uh, while men slept, an enemy came in. What did he do? He sowed his seed where God had his seed. Remember somebody? My God, while man slept, an enemy came in and sowed tear among the wheat. And when it came up, they asked him, did not thou sow good seed in thy garden? God said, an enemy has done this. But what people uh, failed to realize, it was while men were sleeping. Shall we pull it up? He said, no, don't pull it up lest you... Uh, ripping up the bad, you'll rip up something good. Let it all grow together and I'll separate it. Come on, somebody. And that's what God is doing here in Revelation. He's bringing to an end 
this seed war that has started way back in the book of Genesis. Amen. So men have seed, women have seed, every living thing has seed. Amen. And uh, some bear the seed of God and other bear the seed of Satan. That's just the way it is. Apples have seeds. Strawberries have seeds. Nuts are a seed. Uh, potato is a seed. Coconut is a seed. Amen. Watermelon has seeds. Amen, somebody. Everything that lives, everything that grows has information. Amen. That seed is in there. All right. And what is a seed? It's information. Or we would call it DNA. Amen, somebody. My God, they went to the tombs of the pharaohs and they found seeds. Uh, those old uh, seeds that were um, buried with those fossilized bones, uh, they pulled those seeds out and planted them and through the soil and moisture and sunshine, come on somebody, and the nutrition that comes from uh, the uh, soil, uh, as Job said, through the center water. Um, they grew, being uh, entombed for years, thousands of years, those seed, that seed grew because it contains information. It doesn't have to have, you know, uh, oxygen. It doesn't have to have all these other things to, uh, it certainly need those things to, to grow, but the information stays there. It stays there forever. My God. Uh, we talked about, um, I remember in doing this research, I thought about, um, uh, it came across the news that a lot of people were receiving seed from China. And they didn't know what was going on, uh, why so many people were receiving seed from China. But now, doing the research that I'm finding here, uh, it may be something to it. And you know, tell them what it's all about. And they told people, well, don't plant the seeds, just turn them into your local agriculture department. They're going to investigate and determine what kind of seed this is. So maybe we're in a seed war with China. I remember when I was in Savannah, Georgia, uh, the birthplace of Sister uh, Diane Shipman. Amen. They were talking about how the Cuban frog had, somebody had brought in a Cuban frog and they were eating up all the indigenous frogs of Georgia. Amen. So a lot of times when you get the wrong seed, the wrong thing, uh, it can be disruptive uh, to the things that are indigenous to that area. It begins to take over. Amen. We talked about the computer. If you buy a MacBook and you load it with, I don't care, terabytes of information. If it's 6.7 pounds and after you've loaded all of your data if you weigh it again, it still weighs 6.7 pounds. The only thing you put into it was information. It's, it, it's nothing. <laughs> it, it didn't add no weight. Yes, it changed the working capacity of that computer, uh, but it's just information. It weighs nothing. Amen. It just has information. Uh, it also brought back to me uh, those that seen uh, Jurassic Park. That was one of the movies that I enjoyed where they found the DNA of a dinosaur uh, in a mosquito. In a mosquito. 
that was fossilized, you know, been there for thousands of years, and they were able to extract the DNA of a dinosaur. And what did they do? They came up with Jurassic Park just based off the information that was in the seed or the DNA. Amen. All right. So we want to uh, remind you, this is, this is a seed war. This is a seed war that's going on. Amen. And God is bringing it to an end. And those were the few of the scriptures that God gave me to put along with um, what we talked about in our last um, lesson. So go back and get the full story. I added some more scriptures to it, but we want to refocus ourselves back to uh, Revelation 13 and 18. I know you all want to talk about this number of a man. Amen. Um, uh, there's a number of the beast uh, that we can tie to the number of a man or a number of a man or a number uh, in a man. There's two different translations if you read uh, in your Bible. Uh, and that's found in Revelation um, 13 and 18. We're going to get back to the uh, search, our search, uh, because that's what the scripture tells us, uh, to search it. Amen. And certainly I think this is kind of a challenge. And I thought the young people would have some fun uh, with this because we talked about several things that it could be. All right. Revelation 13 and 18. Here is wisdom. Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast. For it is the number of a man or a number of man or a number of a man, uh, depending on which translation that you read. All right. And his number is six hundred three score and six. It is six, six, six. The number of the beast is also equal to a number that we can tie to some man. Amen. And that's what brought us to our search. All right. What could it be? We talked about Gemetria. All right. Uh, that is G-E-M-A-T-R-I-A. If you put that, matter of fact, if you put 666 in your uh uh, web browser, you'll come up with all kinds of, I mean, just thousands and thousands of conspiracy theories and, and, and ideas that uh, of men. Uh, but if the Bible says here is wisdom or this requires wisdom, that means I got to go back to the Bible because if a man lacks wisdom, where do we go? He goes to God. He has to go to his word. Amen. But I had included some things um, that it could be, but there were just kind of, uh, some things that, um, just thought provoking things, uh, Gometria and you'll find Gometria cal uh, calculators out there. Uh, back in the ancient days, they did not have, uh, symbols for letters, uh, for numbers, I'm sorry. So every letter contained a value, amen. And we remember, we know that from the Roman um, numerals because, uh, what is, we had, uh, V is five and X is 10. So all of these letters have a value and you can do that. Uh, this goes is uh, also related to the Greek, to the Hebrew, and also to the Latin, uh, same thing you can do. Uh, all of the letters, 
of the Greek, the Hebrew, the Latin alphabet are, uh, contain a value. And you can take that value and get an interpretation uh, as to what it is. All right. So uh, one of the things I ran across when I was doing my Internet search was the Gemetria Callan calculator. All right. And one of the things that almost caused me to um, uh, break my computer screen, uh, I put 666 in the Gemetria calculator. And what do you know? <laughs> and, I, and I shouldn't be surprised. It came back President Barack Obama. <laughs> I, I, you know, it, you know, so you, you know, you, you can't rely on it. It's something that, you know, you can uh, do, but uh, it has been loaded with the thoughts and theories of men. All right. We talked about um, a six. Now, seven is God's perfect number, perfect and complete. Six means falling short. Uh, six is the day uh, we're living in the sixth day of the creation of man. So it could be six, six, six uh, men uh, that have fallen short. Uh, but I didn't put much uh, thought into that. But just giving some, you know, um, ideas uh, of those that want to research and, 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 and search it out. Uh, we thought about the number 18. That's six plus six plus six. Uh, the number 18, you can put that in the Gemetria uh, calculator and, and see what that comes out with. Uh, we talked about the Babylonian image, Nebuchadnezzar, as a means to control the people. He set up an image of himself, and he told them, when you hear music, uh, you are to bow down to the image uh, of Nebuchadnezzar. It was uh, three score tall, uh, that's 20, 20, 20, that's six. Uh, the breadth, that means the width and the length of it was six. So it was uh, 60 cubits high, six cubits wide, six cubits deep. And if that wasn't enough sixes for you, uh, there was six instruments. So six, six, six. Could that be it? It could be. It could be. Uh, we don't know. Uh, you will have to let me know what you come up with in your uh, search, and I'm hoping that you will uh, search it out. Um, Goliath, Satan's champion of the Philistines. Uh, we all know and, and bared out the number of six, uh, and that was certainly his height, uh, his number of weapons, and the weight uh, of his uh, spear. Uh, it was six, six, six. Could it be Goliath, uh, the Satan's champion, uh, Philistines? It could be. All right. We talked about Adonikin. Adonikin. Uh, this was the man that came back from Babylon, um, and he was with um, one of the uh, uh, one of the waves that came back from captivity. Uh, what do we know about him? Nothing. But that might be the clue. It's an unknown person. Uh, when we looked up that word Adonikin, and you can put that in the Gemetria calculator, uh, it's the unknown, uh, the Lord of uh, the Lord of the enemy. Uh, we uh, go back to the previous Bible class. I gave you the 
the meaning of that word Adonikin, a man that's coming from Babylon. Nobody knows who he is, but it was 666. The scripture reference uh, is in the previous lesson. All right, we talked about Vav um, in the Hebrew. Uh, they, the, the letter V and W are the same. Uh, and if you look at Vav, it's, it's six. And uh, it's kind of like the, uh, almost like a, 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 a claw mark, if you will. Um, and uh, that 666 www could be the internet. Well, um, if that's the case, I guess we're all caught up. <laughs> uh, there's an energy drink. Uh, I see it everywhere. Even if you're looking at UFC fighting in the middle of the ring, you see the claw, claw, claw. Uh, it's a, a popular energy drink. Is that what it is? I, I don't think so. Uh, some say it could be a barcode. Uh, it has to do with buying and selling. Uh, you have um, a line with a gap and a line. If you look at a barcode, uh, it has 666 in it. And certainly that's used on everything has a barcode has to do with buying and selling. All right, um, uh, last one was John 6 and verse 66. 666, uh, when Jesus was talking uh, and they were ready to walk away, and I'll read this scripture passage from, uh, for you. Uh, you know, when Jesus said, uh, my blood is drinking deep, my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed, and they walked away. And Jesus' response, all right, it says, from that time, this is John 6, uh, verse 66, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, will ye also go away? Then Simon Peter answered and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And we believe that you... Um, that you are sure that thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Look at Jesus's response to him. Jesus answered and said, have not I chosen you 12? And one of you is the devil. He spake of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for he it was that should betray him being one of the 12. That seems like a strange response. <laughs> And I'm sure Judas was like, now, what does this got to do with me? Uh, we were talking about your, uh, <laughs> your flesh and your blood. Uh, but Jesus brought, brought it right back to Judas. And we certainly know prophecy is all about types and patterns. And uh, Judas, he is a type. He is a type of Antichrist. Could that be it? We don't know. We don't know. Uh, I want to share with you. Uh, what I think it is, and, but I want to remind you of something that we talked about before, and that was the different views of theologians of prophecy in the Bible, and certainly the first one we have is the polemicist view. Everything is an allegory to reveal a hidden message. Uh, they got the historist view, things that have happened in the past. Uh, the preterist view, prophecy that has already been fulfilled. The futurist view, prophecy of the future. And I believe to some extent 
or another. All of these views uh, is just like Jesus. We can't paint him and put him in a box. Amen. You uh, you can't have a paradigm. You can't put him. He doesn't fit in in a paradigm. Um, all of these views are relevant when it comes down to our study um, of the Bible. But I feel uh, these uh, next three six six sixes, which we're going to tie to one man, uh, is a polemicist view. In other words, it everything it's an allegory to reveal a hidden message. It's an allegory to reveal a hidden message. All right. Just wanted to remind you of those different views uh, that I shared with you earlier. All right, so 666 is mentioned in the Bible, again, three more times, and it's associated with one man, all right? He's the perfect leader, uh, had the perfect kingdom, had the perfect economy, all right? He was, had the greatest of wisdom, um, and we're talking about King Solomon, King Solomon. Now, remember, uh, Antichrist... Satan, the beast, is trying to copy God. And if you're going to copy anything, why wouldn't you copy someone that's considered perfect? Amen? All right, and we uh, say, well, surely King Solomon would not be associated with 666, but we're going to go through the scripture references and tie him to this number. All right? The first one we went through, and this was the first time, it was 1 Kings, 1 Kings, the 10th chapter, 1 Kings, the 10th chapter, and the 14th verse, all right? We're going to take a look at God's perfect king, all right? It says, now the weight of gold that came to Solomon in one year was what? 603 score and six talents of gold, which was about $20 million. That was the sum of um, Solomon's uh, total economic um, uh, system, uh, its worth. He would take in uh, this um, 603 score, which is another six, and six talents of gold. And it seems to be in the scripture, just come out of nowhere. Just come out of nowhere. Uh, the total sum of his economic uh, power, his economic wealth, uh, the buying, the sum total of his trading, buying, selling, and trading, and, and Solomon was an excellent trader, uh, was six, six, six. All right? And we can tie that directly back to this mark, 666, that the beast is going to use to totally control what's bought and sold by that same number. Because if you don't have that image, if you don't bear that mark in your head or in your hand, you cannot buy and sell. So we just have tied the two economies of Solomon and the beast to the number 666. Six, six. 
It's the number of a man. <laughs> My God, here is wisdom. All right. And that's where we're going to go. Let's let's go um, uh, back to Revelation 13 and 18. I want to read this scripture one more time. I want to read this scripture just one more time because I believe the challenge that uh, we receive in the Bible, there's a clue right there. All right. So let's go back to Revelation 13 and 18. It says, what? Here is wisdom. That's a clue right there. Who is synonymous with the word wisdom in the Bible? Here is wisdom. This requires wisdom. Let him that have understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and the number is 603 score and six. Who wrote the books of wisdom of the world? The Song of Solomon, Proverbs. Come on, somebody. My God. Now, we know uh, Solomon was an ignoramus when it came down to the wisdom of God. But there was no wiser man that was on this earth other than Jesus. Now, don't I want to make sure you all know Jesus was a wiser, a greater than Solomon is here now. He, he said that. He let us know that himself. But there was nobody on this earth that walked this earth that was more wiser than Solomon. Now remember, Solomon was the one that asked God for wisdom. Remember somebody, God told him, since you didn't ask for money, you asked for wisdom, guess what? Money is going to follow. My God. All right. Uh, so if a man uh, lacks wisdom, we know the scripture said, let him come to God. Uh, but in that day and in that time, the queen of Sheba, she was coming to see Solomon because Solomon had so many visitors. They wanted to see this kingdom. They wanted to see this great economy. They wanted to see the attendance of his ministers. They wanted to see all the wisdom and the knowledge, this man that could buy, sell, and trade. Come on, somebody. My God, if a man wanted wisdom in that day, they came to see Solomon, all right? And his entire budget, his entire economic system is tied to the number 666. I don't believe the Bible deals in coincidence. And when we looked at it, uh, 1 Kings 10 and 14, if you look in that passage of scripture, which we're going to go to the one just before that, it just seemed to come out of nowhere. And I don't think it's coincidence. God told us to go on a search. <laughs> and if he tells us to search, I believe that it's, we're going to find it in his word. There's no need in us going to the internet. There's no need in us going to Grammetria. And I think all of those things are um, kind of a challenge. And it's interesting, um, the things that you find. Uh, the results when you go to the Gometria calculator and, and the things that you can come up with, John 6 and 66, which takes us back to uh, Judas, you know, the image of um, Nebuchadnezzar. 
Uh, I, I, but I think we have to go to the word. We have to stick to the word when it comes down to when we're looking for wisdom. And that's what the scripture says. This requires wisdom. All right. I don't think that's coincidence. Uh, this is the perfect kingdom. Come on, somebody. And as we have said before, uh, Satan is trying to copy the perfect plan. Uh, what other pattern, what more, um, uh, what greater example could he use than Solomon? All right. Uh, in 2 Chronicles 9 and 17, 2 Chronicles 9 and 17, we find those words written exactly again. It says, now the weight of gold that came to Solomon in one year was 600 and three score and six talents of gold. Uh, repeat it, repeat it in the scriptures. Again, six, six, six tied to Solomon's perfect economy. All right. It's repeated in uh, Chronicles. All right, now the second time, let's go to, um, uh, let's look at uh, 1 Kings. We're going to go back 1 Kings, the 10th chapter, 13th verse, right before 666 is introduced um, in the 14th verse. 1 Kings, 10th chapter, 13th verse, all right? Look what it says. And King Solomon gave unto the queen of Sheba all her desires. Um, whatsoever she had asked beside that which Solomon gave her of his royal bounty. So she turned and went to her own country, she and her servants. Now that's kind of interesting. And this is where... Um, uh, the polemicist view, the allegory, I think a story that re reveals a hidden message to us. And this is where I want you all to go along with me uh, when we talk about these different views that theologians believe that exist in the Bible. And this is what I feel falls into to the category of an allegory, something that reveals a hidden message. All right. So when the queen comes, and, and these were the people were coming, they wanted, she had heard of the wisdom of Solomon, this wise, the wisest man on earth that had the perfect economy, uh, that had the perfect uh, uh, tenants and, and ministers, and he built the temple and, and all of these things, uh, the splendor of his kingdom. Uh, and when she had saw all of these things, uh, she found out that it was true, all right? Uh, but the queen leaves before 666 is revealed in the very next verse. So the queen saw all that she needed to see to convince her, yes, Solomon is the most wisest man there is, but she left before 666 was revealed. So she didn't see everything. I know somebody. Because if she had saw 666, I don't believe she would have been convinced Solomon was the most wisest man there is. And as a matter of fact, we're going to read some more scripture uh, to let us know that uh, Solomon, uh, there were some flaws there. 
Come on, somebody. All right, so before 666 is revealed in verse 14, the queen is satisfied and she leaves, all right? Everything was fine before she was taken out of the way, all right? But when the, we, the queen leaves, 666 appears and everything after that goes awry. All right, let's look at 1 Kings 10. Now we're going to back up to verses 4 and 5 because I believe this says it in a way that would spark our um, curiosity. Uh, I think about um, Arsenio Hall, things that make you go, hmm, y'all remember that? <laughs> Y'all remember Arsenio Hall? I'm dating myself. All right, 1 Kings. Um, we, let's just back up to verses 4 and 5. Look what it says. Queen is satisfied. She sees all that Solomon has, uh, but she didn't see everything. Look at this. And when the queen of Sheba had seen all Solomon's wisdom and the house that he had built and the meat of his table and the sitting of his servants, and the attendance of his ministers, and their apparel, and his cupbearers, and his ascent by which he went up into the house of the Lord, there was no more spirit in her. Now, we just read she was satisfied that Solomon was the wisest man in the world. We just read that scripture and she left. But this scripture makes you say, hmm, uh, that's kind of strange. There was no more spirit left in her. Now, I believe the proper interpretation of that is that she was satisfied that, yes, Solomon is the wisest man in the world. But don't you think that's a strange way to say it? And as I say, I don't think there's nothing coincidence in the Bible. There was no more spirit left in her. All right. So the allegory is, and I remember after I read this, I remember um, saying that after the church is removed, what? The Holy Ghost is gone. When God takes his church out of here and removes the bride, guess what? The Holy Ghost is gone. All right. And uh, this is where I feel the allegory part comes in. Uh, and it's after that she is removed or she's gone that 666 is revealed. All right. Um, so that, uh, that was perfect turns out to be utterly corrupt. My God. All right. What are you talking about, pastor? Let's, let's, let's go back to second Thessalonians. We've read this before. We read this before and we're building an allegory here. Uh, something that's revealing unto us a hidden message. 2 Thessalonians, the second chapter, verses 6 and 7. 
I'll just remind you, it says, and now you know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only who, he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. In other words, God uh, does not reveal things until his time. Come on, somebody. I remind you of the story of uh, Bishop Paddock, uh, Bishop Herman, my father. Antichrist is here alive and well, um, but he's not going to be revealed until he that withholdeth is taken out of the way. Jesus has to reveal it. In order for it to be revealed, Jesus has to reveal it unto us. Remember somebody. My God. I want to remind you all, um, Antichrist will not be revealed until Jesus reveals him. But I want you all to remind you when we uh, studied um, Judas, which was a type. Um, uh, Judas was a type of Antichrist. All right. Um, he, they told Judas, now listen, we're not going to take Jesus at the time of the Passover. There's too many Jesus lovers in town, too many Jews. Uh, and if we try to crucify him now, um, we're going to have riots on our hands. But the Bible says <laughs> uh, when uh, John asked, well, it was Peter that said, man, you laying on his breast. Why don't you ask him uh, who it is that's going to betray him? And John asked him and Jesus said, listen, the one that I give sop to. And the Bible says, and when he dipped the sop, he handed it to Judas and told him, now what you're going to do, do quickly. And Judas was not revealed until Jesus revealed him. All right? And that was when the Bible says, when he passed him the sop, Satan entered into him. But Jesus knew all the time. He told them all the time, <laughs> one of you are, is a devil and is going to betray me. And matter of fact, Judas was the one of the ones that is it me. He didn't even know. Remember somebody, my God, until the sop was passed to, to him and Jesus revealed it and said, now listen, what you're going to do, you're going to do it now. Nothing happens on your time. They told Judas, don't do it now. And <laughs> Jesus said, you're going to do it right now. So what did Jesus had to reveal that thing? He was going to be hidden. Nobody knew he had the favorite seat. He was carrying the, the money. Nobody would have ever thought it was him. He was in ministry. He had gifts. He was anointed. He was talented in the ministry. But God revealed it. Jesus revealed it in his time. Amen. And I believe this is the allegory of the Queen of Sheba. All right. When she is removed, God reveals the Antichrist. My God. So are we following a pattern, a pattern of the Antichrist? I believe that we are. I believe that we are. Uh, so um, what does Solomon means? If you uh, look up his name, it's uh, uh, Shilamo, Shilamo. S-H-E-L-O-M-O-H, Shilamo, 
that means peace. Peace. How will the Antichrist be identified? That man of peace. We saw him coming in, riding in on the white horse, which represented righteousness. Hello, somebody. But he was the devil all the time. He's going to use flatteries. Amen. But he was also known as that man of peace. He's going to have the answer to everything. Global warming, uh, uh, wars and rumors of wars, pandemics and all of these things. He's going to bring nations and kingdoms together and be known as that man of peace, just like Solomon. My God. All right. Uh, and when uh, the time was right, uh, uh, Solomon was portrayed as that perfect king, uh, but he's also now uh, exposed as somebody that is corrupt. Come on, somebody. Now, remember, uh, Solomon asked God for wisdom. Amen. And he was the wisest man there is. And um, allegory again. Now, when the Antichrist brings about peace, and the Bible says, and when they say peace and safety, what's going to happen? Sudden destruction. Sudden destruction. Okay, now let's go to the very next thing. 1 Kings 11. 1 Kings 11. Verses 1 through 10. This is the next day after the queen departs. Corruption is revealed in Solomon's kingdom. There was no more spirit left in her. She departed. Look at this. First uh, Kings 11, 1 through 10. But King Solomon loved what? Many strange women together with the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, the Amorites, the Edomites, Zidomites, Zidonians, uh, the Hittites, of the nations concerning which the Lord said unto the children of Israel, ye shall not go in to them, neither shall they come in unto you, for surely they will what? Turn your heart after their gods, lowercase gods, Solomon claimed, uh, clave unto these in love, and he had 700 wives, princesses, uh, and 300 concubines, and his wives turned uh, away his heart. For it came to pass that when Solomon was old, that his wives turned away his heart after what? Other gods, and his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God as was the heart of David, his father. For Solomon went after Astroth, the goddess of the Zidonians, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Amorites. And Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and went not fully after the Lord, after the Lord, as did David, his father. Then did Solomon um, build an high place for Chemosh, uh, Chemosh uh, the abomination of the Moab, 
uh, in the hill that was before Jerusalem, and for Molech, the abomination of the children of Ammon, and likewise did he for all his strange wives, which burnt incense and sacrificed unto their what? Lowercase gods. And the Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart was turned from the Lord uh, God of Israel, which had appeared unto him how many times? Twice. And he commanded him concerning this thing that he should not go after other gods, but he kept not that which the Lord commanded. My God. So the one, God's king, uh, that was known as the perfect leader, ended up being totally corrupt and caused people to worship false gods. My God. I think the greatest picture uh, that we have of 666 is Solomon's kingdom. I believe this. All right. And the only reason we're doing this in the first place is because the Bible told us to do it. <laughs> Find out who it is. All right. All of this ex corruption is exposed after the queen has left. There was no more spirit. All right. That's an allegory. When the church is taken out, uh, the Holy Ghost is gone. I believe God is showing us a pattern of the end times through Solomon's reign. All right. Remember, he had the best uh, economy, uh, artistically, philosophically, educationally, geographically. He extended all the way up to the Euphrates and he extended down to Egypt. All right. Uh, it was everything that the Jews actually wanted. And it turned out to be totally corrupt. All right. Is that what the Antichrist empire is going to be? I think that's exactly what it's going to be. Come on, somebody. Um, it was tied to commerce. He was a great trader. Everything was perfect. Everything was great. Everything was done on a grand scale. But it turned out to be utterly, it was not what uh, they thought it was. My God. All right. Let's look at this. First Kings 10. Let's go down to 18 through 20. First Kings 10, 18 through 20. You all have it. Let's read it. Moreover, the king made a great throne of ivory. And he overlaid it with the best gold. The throne had what? Six steps. And on the top of the throne, round behind, there were uh, stays on either side of the place of the seat. And two lions stood beside the stays. And 12 lions stood there on one side and on the other side upon the six steps. And there was not like it made in any kingdom. This is Solomon's throne that we're talking about. All right. So when we read here, Solomon had a throne. 
It was on one side was six lions. There were six steps to go up into his presence. And on the other side were six lions because there was a total of 12. All right. So what do we have? When you come into the presence of Solomon, six, six, six. This is, uh, let me get out of the way. Uh, you can do your own research. Uh, go into your, um, um, into your web browser. And you can put um, image of Solomon's throne. You will see various um, different paintings. And I, I started to include a few, but I like this one the best. Um, if you look on the left side of the throne, there are six lions. Now, in the back, you can see that roundabout with the two lions on either side. Now, if you go up the steps, there's six steps. And then on the other side of the throne, there's six lions, the 12 lions, six on one side, six on the other, and six steps to go up into the presence of Solomon. You have six, six, six. Is this what the Antichrist is going to do? Come on, somebody. Is he going to set up a throne in God's temple, controlling everyone of the world, making them bow down to his image? Yes, he is. So will he be a type of Nebuchadnezzar? Yes, he will. All right. Uh, having the perfect economy, having the perfect monetary system, having the perfect educational system. He will have kings and priests. Uh, he was going to rebuild that temple in seven years. All right. I believe this is the greatest uh, example of Antichrist uh, is Solomon's reign. All right. Uh, the Antichrist will copy what Solomon did. He is going to give the Jews everything. Now, remember, he's going to obtain the kingdom by flattery. He's going to tell the people what they want to hear. He's going to give them everything that they want. They're going to accept him as their Messiah. All right. He's not God's man. He's Satan's man. All right. Uh, many say that uh, Solomon repented. Now, remember, Solomon is just a picture, but the Antichrist is the reality. Amen. This is an allegory. Everything about this 6-6 six, six system, system is linked to King Solomon's economy, his reign, his kingdom, all right? I believe this is going to be a pattern of what we're going to see or what others will see in the end time because the church will be gone, all right? Is this going to happen? Yes. Uh, is the Antichrist going to come? Yes. Is he going to be that claim to be that man of peace? Yes, just like Solomon. Uh, will he have a great military? Yes, just like Goliath. Um, will he extend the borders of Israel and give them the land? Yes. 
Uh, will he rebuild the temple? Yes. <laughs> will he give the Jews everything they wanted? Yes. But remember, when they say peace and safety, it's going to be sudden destruction. We've already read it in Daniel 9 and 26. In the middle of the week, when he sits on that throne, my God, in the middle of that week, three and a half years, he's going to finally uh, sit on in the temple on God's throne. Now, remember, does God have a temple? Yes. Where is it? Know ye not that your body, that's what he's trying to plant his seed in us. All right. But he's going to rebuild that temple. He's going to sit on the throne and ca cause the oblation and the sacrifice to cease. Y'all worship me. Will he do that? Yes. All right. Will he reunite the religions? Yes. Remember now, he is the lamb with two horns. Two horns. All right. He looks like a lamb, but he speaks like a dragon. All right. Will he bring the people back to God? They will think so. But they're going to be deceived. My God. They will think they're worshiping God, but they're going to be worshiping the beast. My God, I think this represents the 666. All of these things represent the 666 um, that we see in the Bible. Man is finally going to get the perfect kingdom without God. How is he going to do it? God is going to give it to him. He's going to give it to him. All right. Remember John 5 and 43, he said, I came in my father's name and you didn't even receive me, but one is going to come in his own name, him, you will receive. Oh yeah, he's going to let him have it. He already told him it's going to happen and they're going to fall for it as they say, hook, line, and sinker. All right. Um, the saints... Listen, we don't have to be deceived by this, saints. Amen. We already know, Paul said, of the times and of the seasons. Amen. Uh, you have no need that I write unto you. God has given us everything that we need. He's equipped us with his word. We have to stay in his word. We have to follow the true lamb and not the false lamb. And as a matter of fact, uh, that's what we'll be talking about when we go into Revelation 14. John begins to make a comparison between those that are following the false lamb and those that are following the true lamb. Maybe we'll get into some of that uh, on tonight. All right. We know Jesus. He is our true Messiah, the anointed one. Who is he? 888, the perfectly resurrected Savior. He's 777. Amen. Our perfect redeemer. What is his name? His name is Jesus. My God. That's what I feel. If we're going to tie that number 666 to anybody, I would tie it to Solomon's kingdom. My God. And I believe it's an allegory. Uh, it's a picture that's going to uh, reveal unto us a hidden message. Amen. And I believe we just received that message on tonight. All right. 
Um, let's look at Revelation 14. Revelation 14. We got some more time and we're going to go into that. Because John now, remember, we were all the way in Revelation and we've been following this thing, trying to find, follow it chronologically. Uh, but when we got to 16, we got to six, well, actually the trumpets uh, that were being, these were the, um, the wrath of God being poured out upon this earth during the tribulation period between the trumpets and, and the vows that were being poured out or the bowls or the vows in um, Revelation uh, 16, there came up a remembrance, great Babylon, and we went back, amen? And I believe uh, what we're doing here, when we went to 13 uh, and 14, John is filling in for us the narrative, the things that's happening uh, during this great tribulation uh, period, all right? So now he begins to make a contrast. He makes a contrast between those that are following the false lamb and those that are following the true lamb. Look what he says. John 14 verses one through five. And I looked and lo, a lamb stood on the Mount Zion and with him an hundred and forty and four thousand having his father's name written in their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven as a voice of many waters and as the voice of a great thunder. And I heard the voice of the harps harping with their harps. And they sung as it were a new song before the throne and before the four beasts and the elders. And no man could learn the song but the hundred and forty-four and four thousand which were redeemed from the earth. These are they which were not defiled with women, for they are virgins. These are they which follow the lamb, whithersoever he goeth. These were redeemed from among men, uh, being firstfruits unto God, unto the lamb. And in their mouth was found no guile, for they were without fault before the throne of God. All right. So we have just completed our study of the false church or the false prophet. Those that were deceived in following the false lamb. Now John starts to fill us in and uh, makes a contrast to those that are following the true lamb. All right. Now remember the false one. Uh, he looked like a lamb, but he spoke like a dragon. Amen. My God, he looked like a lamb, but he spoke like a dragon. Everything seemed to be okay. If you just uh, gave it a surface look or, or just perused it real lightly and you didn't take a real deep uh, look, uh, it looked like it was fine. Just like the, uh, the queen of Sheba. She was satisfied that what she had uh, heard about Solomon was true. But after she left, it turned out to be totally corrupt. My God. And people were following after false gods. And God spoke to him twice. Did y'all get that? 
spoke to him twice about the situation, and he still refused to follow after God as his father David did. All right? So John is doing what? He's filling in the narrative. Uh, what's happening between the trumpets and the vows, uh, the vials that were being uh, poured out, all right? And we'll go back to the chronolo chronology of Revelation when we go back to Revelation 17, and that's where we're going because we have actually hit 14 already. Uh, we saw the reaping uh, to a harvest of the earth, all right? And certainly uh, now we're going to deal with the first part of, of Revelation 14. We've already dealt with two sections, two uh, reap, reaping of the earth at the end of Revelation 14. I hope you all remember that. If you don't, go back. Uh, we've already covered that. Uh, remember uh, the last one, uh, God said, stick your sickle in for it's, the grapes are ripe but I want you to put them into the wine press and I'm going to stomp them. I'm going to trample them. Come on, somebody. My God, and his garments was full of blood and there was blood coming out of that wine press. Well, that was the one of the last reapings that came out of the earth. All right. And this is the first reaping because these were the first fruits that come out of the tribulation period. That's where we are. All right. So we'll go back to chronologically, uh, the following of Revelation when we go back to 17 and we're going to witness the destruction of the church. The church is going to be killed by the first beast. I uh, heard John Kelly say, you know, uh, Donald Trump, he mocks the Christians, the evangelical Christians. Uh, behind closed doors. Did you all catch that? Y'all watching the news? <laughs> well, it shouldn't surprise us because the Bible told us the world loves its own. The political system is just using the religious system because it's pointing people his way. Remember somebody? That's what we just read. Uh, the church was given authority to give life to the image of the first beast. The church is the false prophet is just being used. And when uh, the first beast gets done with it, it's going to be destroyed. And we're going to witness that. We go back and, and all of this is coming to pass right before our very eyes. Believe it or not, who that is, is happening right now. They are following this administration. I don't care how corrupt it is, but I'm so glad God has given us insight. All right. So John is filling us in. He's given us a contrast between those that are following um, the false lamb and the true lamb. Uh, what's happening during this great tribulation period? Um, John sees those at the end of, uh, chapter 13 that were marked by the 666 image of the beast. Now we see those that were sealed. Now remember, this is the same 144,000 we saw sealed back in Revelation 7, chapter 7. Same 144,000. All right. 
Uh, as a matter of fact, let's go back and read it. Let's go to Revelation uh, 7. You all have it. And after these things, I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, nor on the sea, nor on any tree. And I saw another angel standing from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was given to hurt the earth and the sea, saying, Hurt not the earth, neither the sea, nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. God is protecting this remnant of Israel during this tribulation period. This is um, what we're studying in Revelation 13. This is the same 144,000 in this great tribulation period, even those that are being deceived because they're following the true lambs wheresoever he goeth. So what is God doing? He said, listen, don't hurt the earth nor the trees don't until we have sealed them. He's going to protect them even in the tribulation period. Uh, this is that, uh, that um, remnant of Israel, that earthly seed. Come on, somebody. Israel is my son, my firstborn. Amen. God is going to save his people, although they're not the bride of Christ. Now, we're the bride of Christ, and at this point, we will be taken out. These are going to go through the great tribu the, the tribulation period. I'm not going to say the great tribulation because nobody's going to be saved out of that. All right. And uh, these are the ones that sing in that new song. Remember, we just read that standing in Revelation 14, standing before the throne, singing a song that only these individuals, <laughs> my God, because we won't experience what they have gone through. My God, they you talk about a testimony. They're going to have a testimony. All right. So God is going to seal them, the servants of our God. What is he going to do in their foreheads? Look at uh, verse four, and I heard the number of them which were sealed, and there were sealed 140 and 4,000 of all the tribes of the children of Israel, all right? And of the tribe of Judah, what, 12,000? We have Reuben, all right? Now, these are going in chronological order, except for the first one. Why? <laughs> because Jesus was the lion of the tribe of Judah. All right. Uh, now, um, Reuben was the oldest, but since Jesus is, uh, I guess he's playing favoritisms, he put his own tribe first. And then they go in chronological order. All right. Uh, let me see. We go down here. We go all the way down, all the way down. Zabulon was sealed. Joseph was sealed. Benjamin was sealed. Look at this. Um, let's go down, drop down to verse 9. After this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations, of kindreds, and people, and tongues, 
stood before the throne and before the lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands. Now, this is going to be primarily a Gentile, uh, a Jewish a church. We're primarily a Gentile church now because he came to his own and his own received him not. We're, this is primarily that seed, that seed, that earthly seed of Abraham, all right, uh, that the devil is trying to destroy. It's always about the seed, the, the bride of Christ, the people of God, amen? And then there's others that's going to be sealed, and there was a great number, all right? They had palms in their hands uh, and cried with a loud voice saying, salvation to our God, which is, um, which sitteth upon the throne and unto the lamb. And all the angels stood round about the throne and the elders, all right, and the four beasts, that's the church. And they fell down uh, before the throne on their faces and worshiped God saying, amen, blessed and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. And one of the elders answered, saying unto me, What are these which are arrayed with white robes? And whence came they? And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said unto me, These are they which came out of what? The great tribulation. These are those that, and John said it in, in, in Revelation 14, these are those that followed the Lamb no, no matter wherever he went. Come on, somebody. God is going to save them even in this tribulation period, but they're going to have to follow the Lamb. Amen? Wherever, not the false Lamb, the true Lamb. Amen. All right. Now, also, I want to remind you of the words of um, Bishop Paddock uh, that said, uh, what if we get to the end of this thing and we wake up um, one morning and all the church of God and Christ are gone? The rapture takes place and the church of God uh, of Christ is gone. What will we know? <laughs> Well, we got it wrong. Um, were we not sincere? Come on, somebody, aren't we sincere? Now, we don't think that's going to happen, but somebody's going to get left here. People that were sincere, come on, somebody, God is going to give them an opportunity. They're going to have to stand up. They're going to take a stand for what's right. Uh, they're going to be beheaded. Uh, they're not going to be able, they're going to have to deny the mark of the beast. And if you do that, you're not going to be able to buy or sell. So they're going to starve to death. Come on, somebody. My God. But God is going to give them an opportunity to be saved because they were sincere. They did not defile themselves with virgins. Come on, somebody. My God, they'll have to take a stand. They'll have to follow the true lamb, whethersoever uh, he goeth, even though all of that false stuff is going on. Now, remember, uh, this new world order, all of the media will be controlled and it will all be lies. 
much when you look at a lot of this commercial, uh, these political commercials that's going on right now. My goodness, a bunch of lies. But in the midst of all of that, they're going to have to follow the true lamb wherever he goes. My God. And these are those that follow the lamb. Amen. So um, uh, John makes a contrast. And I'm going to share with you all the... Um, give you one more look at Solomon's throne. And as I say, you all can... Um, do your own search, internet search, look up Solomon's throne. You're going to get those uh, six lions, six steps, uh, different pictures, but they all be the same as far as the description uh, of the word uh, of what it looks like. All right. Um, I'm going to share with you this slide. Uh, and this is where we're going in, in Revelation 14, because John now, he puts a contrast between those that um, bear the mark of the 666 and the 144,000. Amen. The 666, those that bear his mark, was following the false lamb. The 144 was following the true lamb. My God, even in the tribulation period, amen, and we're going to follow scripture. We're going to bear out all of these things, those that are following the false lamb, the true lamb, uh, the mark, um, how the devil marks you with a number, God marks you with a name, Whether where they come from, they come from Babylon, we come from Zion, the bride, comes from the harlot, all right? We come from the true bride, uh, the virgin bride. Who we worship, they worship the beast, the first beast, because the second beast was given authority to breathe life into the image of what? The first beast. They thought they were worshiping God, but they were worshiping the beast, all right? Who do we worship? The father, come on somebody. Uh, the truth, they were deceived in uh, Revelation 14 and 5 says no lie was in their mouth. Amen. They followed the true lamb wherever he went. And finally, the word. All right. They were following the dragon and we follow God. All right. I think we're at a good time. We'll stop right here. We'll cut it off right here. But this is where we'll pick up. We're finally through uh, Revelation 13. I, I thank God for that. Um, and uh, we're going to go to 14. Uh, then when we uh, get done, with, like I say, we've done the uh, end of Revelation 14, those two reapings of the earth. All right. We're going to cover the first part of Revelation 14. Uh, this is the first fruits that have come out of that tribulation period. And when we get done with this, we're going back to Revelation 17, and we're going to witness the destruction of the church, the false church. All right? The false prophet. When the first beast is done with her, 
He's going to destroy her because the world loves its own. All right. May God bless you. Uh, May God keep you is our prayer. Uh, We certainly want to encourage each and every one of you saints. Let's remain faithful. Amen. Let us stay saved. This is no time to be messing around now. One foot in, one foot out. Amen. We certainly want to follow the true lamb. Amen. God is going to take us through here. My God, this is our tribulation period. If if there is one uh, for us, uh, these are the, the dark days uh, that he said that if he didn't shorten the days, the very elect. Come on, somebody. God knows how much uh, we can bear. Amen. And certainly uh, he's coming. He that shall come will come and he will not tarry. So what? You have to be ready. You have to be ready. Stay saved. Stay saved. Do what's right in the eyes of God. Walk up right before him. Because in the end, nobody else have a heaven or hell to put you in. Come on, somebody. If you seek to please men, you will cease to please God. Amen. So I want to encourage somebody that's not saved, you haven't made your calling in election, sure, you have been uh, following us. Uh, we certainly want to hear, are here to wait on you. If you haven't been baptized in Jesus' name, you haven't been filled with the precious gift of the Holy Ghost, amen, God is standing and waiting, amen, to fill you with his spirit by the evidence of speaking in other tongues after you have been baptized, amen, Uh, in the name of Jesus. What is that for? That's for the remission, the washing away, the forgiveness of every sin that you've committed. My God, amen. And God will fill you with his spirit. The Bible says, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for what? The removal, the washing away, the forgiveness of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Acts 2 and 38, you can read it for yourself. Call us. Call us, 734-477-6891. 734-477-6891. We have ministers on staff that will share with you the scriptures, that will pray with you, amen, and certainly set up a meeting to baptize you in the name of Jesus. And we have a great big God that will fill you with his spirit by the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Not a play on your emotion. This is the real deal. You will hear yourself speak and God will place his image on the inside of you and you become a image bearer of Christ. Amen. My God, is we're compassed about with a great cloud of witnesses. It's the best thing that has ever happened to me. And Jesus, he comes highly, highly recommended. Amen. So we want to encourage you, if you're not saved the way the Bible says, amen, those words that I share with you, those were the words of Jesus. My God, amen, Uh, we have to be born of the water and of the spirit or else we cannot enter into the kingdom of God, amen. Now that's Jesus telling us how to get to his house. And now, if anybody that knows the way to his house, you would think it would be him, right? (laughs) 
I'm not going to take nobody else's word for it. He's telling us how to get to his house. Amen. So don't take nobody else's word for it. Amen. Follow the scriptures. Amen. That's what that's what's necessary that we might enter into his kingdom. Amen. May God bless you. May God keep you uh, is our prayer.